Recently, we received a comment regarding how the church deals with people who are single in the church. They're looking for, for marriage and things of that nature. And we're going to have a conversation here at Kingdom of the Logos discussing marriage and singles in the church. And hopefully this will be something which is pretty good. Send us your thoughts, questions, and comments, and we'll have a fun conversation about it. So thank you for joining us. We hope you're having a good day. Again, this is Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, but there are others with me here in Cord Purgatory. Who all has come to endure the, the fun today? <laughs> I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. Pastor Anthony Alegria. And I've got to say, it actually is a lot more fun being in here than it used to be. Don't y'all think so? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, not... we can walk generally. Yeah, and that's <laughs> not because we have the fourth chair is empty today. We always love having a fourth person. But it's actually you can walk in here, you can breathe. It's great. Yeah. All right, so recently we received this comment, and it's one that I think we should address and we should talk about because one of the things that's not going on in common Christian culture and the popular forces of Christianity is positively affirming the institutions which God has brought and articulating what those things are and what role they have in the world around us. And again, we're, today we're going to be talking about marriage, but really this logic extends to a lot of things going on in the church. Um, so let's get to it. So. Recently, we put out a video where we were looking at the top five evils that are affecting the world, and somebody put in a comment that said, nobody really cares about someone who is a single man looking for the true love of their life, and church addiction. So in response to that, that again, somebody who is evidently, they're, they're kind of looking about how does the church respond to single people, single men looking for true love, and this really applies to all single, not just to men. And when I was looking at this week and we we're putting together our program, I actually had a little bit of Holy Spirit conviction change the direction things were going because I'd already planned one out that has been postponed several times about when to <laughs> shake the sand from your feet. Evidently, the Holy Spirit's telling me to shake the sand from that podcast. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but I was also moved to this particular scripture. And the scripture kept coming to my mind and the subconscious of my mind really kept going there. But then the conscious of my mind was kind of like, no, no, no. But anyways, I want to read it, and I think I realize now why my mind kept taking me here, why something was, was bringing me here. And the scripture I want us to read today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And this scripture reads as follows. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not what it can be seen, but what it cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, and what cannot be seen is eternal. Now, some logical questions might be, well, why does your brain keep going to this moment? Is it Holy Spirit conviction? Is this you just being crazy? Why does your mind go here? <laughs> all the when, above. <laughs> yeah, all the above. Um, certainly, we are <laughs> of that option. And why would, that why would this scripture come up when the question of people being single in the church, looking for marriage, looking for that... And one of the things that I realized is there's not an easy answer to the comment that was out there, and there's not an easy answer to the state of marriage in our current world. We look around, a lot less young people are getting married, people are getting married later. I think the average used to be, what, 2.6 children that people had, 2.5? Something, Something like that. It was, I, a, it was a half percent. It was a half percent. Well, we're down now. It's like 1.7, 1 1.8. Oh, okay. Yeah, like they, they just come out with some research on this, and the number of children is, is down. The fertility rate is down. And all that sounds really bad. It sounds really discouraging. And there's a lot of, of young people who are kind of waiting to get married, maybe not getting married at all. And there are a lot of people, again, marriage is not a sacrament. You do not have to be married to be fulfilled and live a full life in the kingdom of God. But there are people who are hungry for that, who feel like they've been slipped through the crack and they feel like the church isn't really doing anything for them. 
So today in trying to have a conversation which answers that issue, again, we're just looking, talking about people who are looking for marriage, but they feel like they've slipped through the cracks in the church. I think that this is a problem that is a link in a chain of problems. Now, I think with just about every problem in the world, and in fact, I'm going to say all problems in the world, they go back to the carnal nature at the end. But I also realize, and as Anthony pointed out in show prep, it doesn't do people a lot of help if you just say the carnal nature is the problem. Like you've, you actually were trying to put together a map and look at the world around us and try to fill in some areas and say, well, we've, we've got to do something. And God has given us instruction and called us to be people who are active, living in society. You know, The two things you can't do in the kingdom of God is be idle or advance sin. But I want us to look at marriage in light of that scripture. And our exit question today is going to be the same one that I open up with. We're not going to answer it as I open up with it, but I'm just going to state it. Is marriage something that wastes away? As was mentioned there, you know, you're, you're investing in things wasting away or the ones being renewed. Is marriage something that is wasting away, which means it is limited to this world, it's tied to the carnal nature, or is it something that God can work in and God wants to renew day by day? Meaning it's not a superficial thing about your passions. It's not something selfish about trying to, to satisfy the self. And it's not anything carnal at all. So that is the, the sort of dichotomy I'm setting up here. Is it A, something that is wasting away, sort of carnal? Or is it B, something God wants to renew day by day? So that I'm not here to say what heaven's going to look like. I know people, they, they say, oh, well, we'll be all balls of light floating around on streets of gold. It'll be like the city of gold in the... Emerald City of Oz all mixed together and you'll see the other ball of light and be like, hey, I haven't seen you in like 80 years, but you're my best teacher I had in high school. I, I don't know. I don't I don't really think that's what it's going to look like, but it could. Again, I'm not here to answer for that. That's not my job. <laughs> above your pay grade. Yeah, it's above my pay grade a lot. And thankfully, <laughs> I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm really glad that that's above my pay grade. Yes. Um, so marriage is something where it is a very old institution. In fact, even before people fell into sin, you look back to the story of, of Adam and Eve, God institutes marriage. It's really the first thing, and it's, it's family. It's a very important thing. And we know that the church is designed to be a, like a family. Um, family is something very important to God. So opening up our conversation, and we're going to come full circle to that question of is it wasting away or is it something renewed, I want us to talk how the church should build a better culture because I think the reason that we've got here is the church has allowed this to be treated as something that wastes away. You know, we say things when we marry people like till death do us part. And there's a little bit of an implication there that when you die, it's just gone. Like God really didn't care about it to start with. It's kind of sometimes where it's taken. But let me open up with this statement. Now I'll go to Amanda and Anthony will respond to it in turn. Marriage is not a sacrament, but it is sacramental. Pastor Amanda, will you help us understand what that sentence means? It's sa okay. it's not a sacrament, but it is sacramental. Well, and we've done a couple podcasts in the past of, about the two sacraments the Nazarene Church has, and we did one that was just kind of in general what a sacrament is. And we discussed then, I think, in a like fourth episode about why um, foot washing is or should, should or shouldn't be a sacrament. And so kind of just to recap that a little bit, one of the main points that a sacrament, for it to be a sacrament, especially in the Protestant church, 
is that Jesus had to uh, participate in it, and then Jesus had to command everyone to participate in it. And so that's why we have baptism and communion as our two sacraments. And this is one of the reasons why marriage gets left off our list. Now, in the Catholic tradition, and I believe also in the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox tradition, marriage is a sacrament. However, they also have a sacrament of holy ordinances or holy orders um, that kind of, which in the Catholic Church, you cannot be married and be a priest, though that may change. Apparently, I read something that that might happen. There might be special cases. But anyways, generally, so that's like you have one order for people who are not married and one order for those who will. Um, But in the Nazarene church, marriage is not a sacrament. However, it is sacramental. And what that, when we change that noun into a, really an adverb, I guess, or an adjective, we are saying um, that it still needs to be treated with holy sacredness that it is something special and unique and really finds its um, origin in the life of God and in the life of the church. And so it is not something to be taken lightly. It is not something you just wake up one morning or like that silly song says, um, uh, it's a, it was a popular song a couple years ago, um, I've got nothing better to do, let's get married or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I'm saying the lyrics wrong. But anyways, like, it's I'm not... I'm out of so- touch with pop culture. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but it basically, it's not something you just like, hmm, I'm bored. Um, or let's do something uh, something dumb to do. I want to marry you. That's the lyrics, the words. But anyways, it's not, you know, it's something very important. And it is this commitment. And when we say something is sacramental, and really when we move into then what is a sacrament, we are saying something ordinary has become extraordinary under the grace of God. And so marriage becomes something more than just a contract or even a commitment between two people or two families or two communities, however big that uh, marriage uh, works, because it it really is more than just two people. It it becomes families and communities coming together. Um, But it's more than a contract. It becomes something that becomes more than it is because it points to God because it is under God's grace. Anthony, Amanda was talking about how it's important to see that God's grace is working in things, but why is it important to say that marriage is not a sacrament? And for instance, why does the Church of the Nazarene not consider holy orders or marriage a sacrament? What's the the reasoning behind that? Well, um, as to the precise reasoning, I think that there's a lot of things which, for instance, like foot washing falls into um, accordance with a lot of the criteria for a sacrament. I think it falls into accordance with all of them, arguably. But um, it's not one of the ones which the church has set apart specifically as a sacrament. And so then we ask, what are the sacraments? Uh, They are the Eucharist and they are baptism. And these are, a, a sacrament is one of the rituals which are instrumental in bestowing the grace of God. And so for something to be sacramental means to uh be an object or a ritual which is in that fashion which is instrumental in bestowing god's grace but it's not one of the rituals right and that is an important distinction to make take a little bit more pointed on this are all christians commanded to participate in the sacraments yes but is everyone commanded to be ordained and to be married no no see that that's the distinction that really um kind of Again, it's not really a, a part of anything written down anywhere. We've kind of retroactively said so. But anyways, but <laughs> right yeah, that, that's a big distinction. So you do not have to be married to be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. However, there are people who are hungry to be married. So we're not here telling you, you know, if you're single and, you know, you're, you feel like something, just be happy about it. We're not saying that at all. Tough it out. We're not. Yeah, that's sarcastic there. Um, 
But we are saying, (laughs) and this is really what I think has happened, is the church in saying that it's not a sacrament, we have let it fall to the wayside Mm -hmm. and not letting it be sacramental. And I think this actually goes across the board for just about everything. We've we've let things like, you know, even doing tithes and offering, being a good steward, we've allowed that not to be sacramental. We've allowed worship not to be done sacramentally. The reading and handling of scripture is not being done sacramentally. We need to realize that just because something is not one of those two sacraments, that we still need to handle it and say God's grace works in it. All right, so let's go a little bit further in this because I think one of the problems that we have, and again, ride with us. We're, we're making a map here. We're trying to figure out where we're at. I think one of the reasons why marriage is down and why so so many times there is holes that people get trapped in, they're looking for something around, and they, they don't really know how to answer this, um, is our, our culture had a problem with consumerism that was really material consumerism. There's still a lot of people who talk about consumerism as problems, but I think it has evolved. Skynet has evolved. It's gone to the next level. I think we're at the place of emotional consumerism now. And what I mean by that is, I want the next tweet. I want the next Facebook post. I want the next, you know, cool thing that someone said so I can tout it and enjoy it for five seconds and then move on to the next. I want the next Instagram post. And this has also rolled over into our relationships. I think it's rolled over into all of our relationships. I think it's rolled over to how we pick our friends, how we pick the churches we attend to. It's rolled into how we pick mates. And I don't think that is what God designed us to do. I don't think that's how we were designed to live. Pastor Amanda, respond to this issue of emotional consumerism. And do you think that it's any connection to people's struggles when it comes to relationships, particularly marriage and things like that? Well, and I think uh, kind of to take this a couple links, and we talked about this is a very complex issue of how we are where we are. But I think to take us a couple of links maybe behind us is I think the generation before us or even two or three generations before us marriage even then was this emotional consumerism which then we saw then the spike in divorces and there were some other uh because life expectancy was longer and different situational things that happened i think allowed that as well um but then our generation and maybe even the generation before us kind of looked and said if all marriage is is me fulfilling what i want and all it is is this fight between two entities really just kind of duking it out for who can get their emotional fix the fastest then i don't even want to participate in it and i think that's not everyone's reasoning and i don't think that's the the end all answer but i do think a lot of people have looked at the way their parents or even grandparents have treated marriage and be like i don't want that that seems harmful and hurtful and and then you get into the things of of children and custody battles and just the meanness that can come out of people and you're like you know what so to avoid all that we're just not even going to touch it and in some aspects the church has allowed the world to dictate that conversation where we can't even, like Pastor Dylan was saying, positively, and when we say positive, we're not saying for or against, but positively as saying, what is marriage and what is the purpose of marriage? And so when we get to this point where we say, all right, you don't get married to fulfill an emptiness inside of you. Now, marriage may help with that because you have a spouse, but you can still feel lonely with someone living in the yep. house with you, you can still feel lonely with someone laying in the bed right next to you. That that doesn't escape that kind of um, emotional turmoil. But what we're saying then is when you get married, if that is something you and the other person desire, then it is about loving and caring for the other person, but also being a whole person within of yourself. And so there has to be the church is part in this, and I may be skipping a couple questions or statements, but the church's response then is to create that environment and community by which people 
can be renewed more and more into the holistic, holy image of God. And so that looks differently than a dating service. It looks differently than a um, matchmaker, which is something that's been kind of in our Christian and also uh, even our Jewish heritage kind of brings that along a little bit. Um, And there's nothing wrong with maybe someone helping you out every now and then that can be a good thing. But what I'm saying is it looks different than the church kind of taking on that role of pointing fingers and saying, this is what you can do. But it is saying, this is the environment in which we can foster holistic and healthy relationships, whatever that end is, whether that is and, a friendship or a mate as the word yeah, and, and a holy culture too. Mm-hmm. Because really emotional consumerism, as we've said, is a product of an unholy culture mm-hmm. where people have made it into a, a transaction. And earlier you mentioned loneliness. Marriage, an outcome of marriage can be that the loneliness is is gone. But that is not the object of marriage. Again, right. it is a possible outcome, but it's not the actual objects. It's not the thing that you're shooting for. Anthony, as we've talked about emotional consumerism, I know one of the concerns that you've had is that there are people who they've got lust, they've got some passion in their life, and you know they, they look at marriage as that's just a way for me to satisfy that desire to just you know eat that craving. What are your what are your thoughts on that emotional consumerism and really that angle of things? Well, it's bad, <laughs> and I think uh, even if. There's more to it than just like lust too. I mean, sort of what Amanda was hinting at earlier, there's people who are seeking to like have emotional needs met and things of that nature and emotional desires. And um, all that is extremely problematic. And I don't think it's the place where successful marriages come from. And I don't think it's where a lot of, um, if you look at people who are, you know, extremely well off in age who are still married, uh, how they have approached marriage over the course of their lives. Maybe it started that way, but it'd be better not even to start that way. The best way to start is out of compassionate love rather than passionate love. I think that's a distinction that pretty much anybody uh, is capable of making between passionate love and compassionate love. And uh, it does make a huge world of difference for how you're living in a marriage. If you're living in a marriage, for your own satisfactions, then that's not going to be a very long-lasting marriage. Sure. Likely. And it might get by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, we one might of limp through. the things I think we're saying here is it's not bad to be emotionally fulfilled in a marriage. Yeah. You know, there should be some emotions that happen there. However, it's sort of like building a house. You know, if you want a house, you've got those needs. The best thing to do is not go kick in somebody's house and say, I'm here. It's mine now. Like, <laughs> does anybody think that's a good idea? No. No. All right. Not unless you want to end up on the five o'clock news. Yeah, not unless you want to end up on the news. But if you're building a house with others, you know, one of the things that's going to happen is you are, you're going to have that home. You're going to have those things there. Um, again, these we're adults. We can make distinctions. There are things which are outcomes, but they're not the, you know, like life in the church. It has the outcomes of you, you get to know people. There are things that, that we do for fun. You know, we might have an art night or something like that. We might get to there and paint Bob Ross or paint while watching Bob Ross. I guess we're not actually painting him, but whatever. So, you know, we have things which are outcomes of life in the church, but we don't come to church just to to have a Bob Ross night. Um, So, yeah. So one of the things that I think has come to be a bit of a problem, and again, this applies to other areas, is what is the role of singles groups? In the church, you know, the Babylon Bee, they put out their article, you know, singles groups, the people are not as good looking as the ones that were on the (laughs) ad. You know, we make jokes about singles groups and stuff like that. Um, but what is the role of singles groups? Are they actually helping people or are they hurting people? Do we really need to segment people off like that? 
Um, and again, I realize that not everybody's forced to go to a single group, though I don't know, you might be. But usually, I don't know too many churches that kind of force people to that. However, there are a lot of times where people are kind of directed to that. When people are lonely, they're like, I'm lonely, I'm single. A lot of times, we do see the response be like, well, here's the flyer for the singles group. Go there. That's that's the solution to your problem. Mm-hmm. Pastor Amanda, what about this? Is that good, bad? I, I think that's a bad solution as kind of a knee-jerk reaction. Again, like you were saying, sometimes things happen in the life of the church, but they're not the goal of the life of the church. And so we have to kind of make sure we step back a little bit. The goal of the church is not to get people married. It's not for people to have kids. Um, it the, the church growth plan is not every mother have another uh, or every um, sister get a mister. It, it is uh, to be the family of God. It to give is, glory to God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is to to live into that life that God has called us to live. Now, what can happen in that is you may meet your significant other. You may have children or you may take on the responsibility of a parent, even though you may never naturally have children or ever have children in your home. Uh, you may still take on those responsibilities as a mentor or as a minister. And so... Sometimes when we create these groups, although they are well-intentioned and sometimes they may work, we often over-segment and then we often oversimplify the expanse of what it means to participate in the life of God. Um, And also I think it is some of it some bad expectations because you could have a really great singles group and that does not mean everyone in there is going to find the love of their life. And so if you're going to church to find someone... You may be disappointed, and then you're like, well, church didn't work out for me. Well, that's because you weren't going for the right reason. And vice versa, the church may be like, ah, we'll get lots of people in our church if we do this. Well, no, that's, again, not how you grow a church. Yeah. Um, and also, by over-segmenting people out, whether it is in singles group or children's group or youth group or fill-in-blank here group, if they are not living the holistic life within the life of the church when those immediate needs aren't met— then they feel like either the church has failed them or they have failed the church. And neither really is what has happened. And that's that's really where the problem with this lies. And again, earlier you said like the, the goal of the church isn't just to, to crank out wedding bands and babies. Um, and again, because if you say that is the goal of the church, people come in and they say, well, I've been married for like two years. So my expectations of the church, they have failed me. The church yeah. did not do what it was supposed to do. Again, this is the sort of adult distinction we're making. Those things may happen in the life of the church, but the church is here to give glory to God and to be the family of God, which operates um, across generations. It does have children, but it it doesn't always take the form that sometimes we expect. And having bad expectations causes a lot of damage. And I think, not again, not the goal of the church, but something that is quite beautiful that happens in the life of the church. And we've talked about this. It may have been a couple years. We've been doing this long enough. We can say a couple years ago we did an episode about this. When we talked about third places and that they were the place in which it was not work, it was not home, that you were kind of forced to deal with people you did not want to deal with. In yep. um, in churches, is if... Is which this, is how family is. Right, which is how family is. So you could say home life is kind of like this. Yep. Um, and sometimes work feels like that where you're yep. forced to deal with people you don't want to. But you almost, you come to these third places, you come to church, and you deal with some with people who have such different lives than your own. And it has nothing to do with which demographic box you check. But as you experience this wide view of the world, and you understand, then you have to deal with people who may be very, very difficult to deal with. 
And then when you read passages of scripture that says, um, before you come to the communion table, you have to make peace with your brother and sister. You're like, oh, that I understand now because I really need to go do that. Right. And this is what church then forces you to do. Even though when I say force, it doesn't take away your free will, but it, it compels you into these situations where it's not about you. And it's not about what you emotionally want to fulfill or consume. It is about what does it mean to lose myself uh, in the grace of God. And so there's just, and that's when we say like the church is being the church is when those situations and that atmosphere, that culture is created and cultivated. And so whatever the specific uh, situations may happen, whether you do find your spouse or not in the church, become secondary to living the life of the body of Christ. Sure. Anthony? Um, Just to Amanda's point, you know, what is the church if we cannot love one another through conflict? You know, if if any amount of conflict, any amount of disagreement, anything like that between ourselves uh, expires our love for one another. Um, I think, you know, to use a phrase that Jesus uses a lot, how is this any different from what the Gentiles and the sinners already do. Sure. Don't they love the people that they're at peace with? I mean, like, seriously. Yeah. Like, we, you know, that's that's human nature. It's pretty easy to love someone that you get along with. Yep. <laughs> um, but in the body of Christ, we're called to love our enemies. We're called to love one another as believers in Christ. And so even whenever uh, we sort of come into conflict with one another or disagreements, we should still have love for one another, one, love for one another, and the mutual goal to glorify Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And what a beautiful way also, if not the goal, but if one of the uh, products of coming to church is to find your spouse, what a wonderful way then to enter into a marriage having figured out some of those conflict resolution skills. I mean, if, if you have been in church and church is acting as the church should, and you've learned how to, uh, have to fight well uh to steal a line from dr hoskins uh the church needs to learn to fight well and um and we have to learn in our marriages and in our relationships to fight well because fights are going to happen so we have to know how to do it well yep and so if those skills have been taught to you by the church in the understanding under the paradigm of the church and of, uh, really under the paradigm of who god is then how much better prepared versus this segmented off where it's all ooey gooey what you feel what you want what you like obviously that's going to produce a marriage or any relationship that will ultimately lead to destruction versus the other avenue will actually produce a relationship or cultivate i'm sorry cultivate a relationship that that is healthier and whole holier and whole (laughs) sure and and the thing is is the kingdom of god is not a place that avoids conflict um the, the work on the cross is the ultimate climax between life and death and One of the problems that I think has happened is the church has allowed the world to come and determine how we interact with one another. It's allowed emotional consumerism to be the defining role of marriage. And with that coming down to individuals, we no longer have the the social skills. We don't have the platforms where we can really interact with one another. And instead of the church being positively affirming marriage and it having that stance of positive affirmation where it can show a model of it. Again, it's not a sacrament. You don't have to do it in order to be a Christian but just showing people what this looks like, how to have those skills that says we are a family, which sometimes means you come and you spend time with somebody who's, you know, two or three generations older than you. And you you don't really see a lot of things similar. Sometimes it means you got to sit with somebody who likes a different football team than you. you know, Tennessee <laughs> and Alabama got to sort it out. Um, and you got to love one another because you're there to give glory to God. And you have good expectations of how the world works. 
And the thing is, to answer the question, the church has to get back to positively creating a culture that is a culture of holiness, that comes together that says we look to God as his family. Again, the early church wasn't accused of being incest for no reason. They called one another brothers and sisters. People went to the amphitheater for being the family of God, specifically the family, calling one another sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers who were not biologically related to them. And the church, instead of segmenting things off and saying, okay, you're single, the antidote to that is you get a little singles flyer, us coming together and saying, you know what? The youth needs to be in with the rest of us. The kids need to be in with the rest of us. Those who are single, they need to be in with the whole family. And let us be a family together and create a culture of holiness. Anthony. Well, uh, I'm really happy you ended where you did because I, I just want to say, you know, what is holiness? What is proximity to God if not perfect love? And what the church really needs to work out is what is perfect love? What does that look like? What does that look like in conflict? What does it look like whenever you're yep. in times of peace? What what does it look like in the situations that the church is going to face? What does yep. it look like in practice? Because a lot of times, you know, we can say God is love, yep. but what on God's green earth is that supposed to mean if you if we don't connect it with anything? Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, love can be a lot of things. Yep. And so we as the church need to work out what perfect love looks like. And Perfect love is not running away from conflict. I mean, perfect love took Christ to the cross. Amen. And us avoiding conflict allowed, I really think it started with material consumerism and then it manifest. you know, Skynet has evolved. It's more powerful than it was before. Um, it, it got to emotional consumerism with social media. And the thing is the church needs to be, instead of on the defense, hiding, you know, how are we going to react to this? How are we going to react to that? Actually be on the forefront of stuff saying, let's build a culture. Let's have revival. Let's get hearts and souls turned towards God and... As the family of God is the family of God, life is going to be happening. So our exit question um, for our clergy crew here in Cord Purgatory is marriage. Because this is about marriage, even though it applies to other areas. Is it something which is just wasted away, meaning it's just an aspect of the carnal nature, even though it was instituted before sin? Um, not to pull that one on people. I know people are going to throw stuff at me, whatever. Um, or is it something which God wants to work in and renew day by day? Um, Pastor Mena, your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking in, in our story prep about sharing this story or not, and I think I am as my response. Um, when I was little, actually, uh, my brother, sister, and I am a triplet. We were 14 months older. Our father passed away. And when we were about five years old, our mom remarried. And shortly after the marriage, um, I remember having this very vivid dream. And, like, who remembers a dream they had when they were five years old? But anyways... Um, the whole family died and that was not the scary part of the story. So we all go to heaven and I, and I remember in the dream, uh, daddy Lanny, who was my, um, first dad, I guess, and daddy Sherman, um, were fighting and arguing of who was married to my mom. And as a child that scared me. And I think even as, uh, an adult and sometimes, and some people in the church, we still kind of think like a five-year-old and we're like, oh no, what do we do with this situation? And what do we, what is marriage and the goal of marriage specifically to this question? Is it something that is only contained to this lifetime? And so we use the language again of scripture that says it is renewed, um, day by day. And that day by day is not just in this lifetime, but in the, uh, life that is to come when life is at its fullness, uh, where the kingdom comes in its fullness and marriage is redefined. So it's something eternal because love is eternal. And that sounds like such a bad cliche, um, but it is something where love is beyond us and beyond our comprehension. And marriage as though it is not the only example of that love, 
But love as a example of that love will yeah. continue far beyond this lifetime. And look, there is there are questions that people had that God's big enough to answer that people didn't really know he could answer. Um, namely, how the advent of Christ Jesus took place was very unexpected <laughs> to people. You, you look at kind of the history, people wouldn't expect the Messiah to come exactly like that. But when you see the question of marriage, again, I think there is this notion that God... I mean, he, he hates adultery because it's basically killing something which come together. When when two come together, they are now one. There's a, a new life there. And when adultery happens, it kind of kills that thing. It's, it's kind of related to murder. God does not like things like that. So God's not just going to suddenly change his mind on that. And even though we can't explain the answer to the question of like that dream as a five-year-old might have, we know that God is he's big enough to answer questions like that. He, he can sort. I think it may be mysterious, but I'm going to trust <laughs> God to sort that one out. Um, Anthony, final thoughts? Well, I'll try to uh, funnel them through the question you asked earlier, uh, which was split between is marriage something which God is working through and renewing or something of the world and temporary? Is that basically? That's it. Okay. Tied to the carnal nature specifically because it, it kind of it, it is connected with death a little bit. Well, uh, sort of to refer back to something I said earlier, um, when marriage is done sacramentally, when it is done as though it were going to be instrumental for bestowing the grace of God, that through um, the union between a man and a woman, that through the children that they raise, that through uh, the influence that their family has on their community, I think uh, that absolutely that it is something that God is working through and that God is uh, renewing. Y'all ready to get all the pitchforks here? <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah, I've got a, I've got a nice one. To we were doing with. so well. We were doing so well. Um, and I'm. This is a nice quote for when we we deserve a higher class of of Christian culture that that understands what it means to be the family of God. And I think we're going to have problems like this until we can start. And again, this starts with revival in the hearts and minds of individuals. Till we start building that higher class of Christian culture, these problems, they are going to stay. So there. Pitchforks to 6186 Eaton's Creek Road. And if you'd like to send that pitchfork to patreon.com slash kingdom of the logos, that would be great too. So remember too, come to Facebook, like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, join us on SoundCloud, iTunes, CastBox, and all sorts of places for podcasts. Thank you for joining us. Send us your thoughts, questions, and comments. God love you and have a blessed day.